This is your host, Norman Brown. I just want to say that this series that you are about to listen to is a very important and pivotal series for you to hear. It is probably going to be one of the most important things for you to understand about yourself and who you are before you can go on to accomplish the things that God has called for you to do. Because if you do not understand the things that we're talking about in this series, then you will not be able to understand who you are in Christ fully. Because to know him is to know yourself. Once you know him, then you will understand yourself. But if you don't know who he is, you can never discover who you're supposed to be. So this is going to be very important for you who are trying to accomplish the things of God in your life, who are trying to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. It starts with knowing who he is. Once you do that, everything else starts to fall into place. This is a very important series. Make sure you catch all the parts of this series because every single one of them is going to be important. Start at the first one to the last. Do not skip. Do not go to the middle. Just start from the beginning and go to the end because it builds. And as the Spirit is leading us throughout this whole conversation, it just builds and builds and builds till it comes to a crescendo at the end. So I just want to say that to everybody listening. God bless you. Peace. Thanks for listening to the new Numa Godcast today. As always, we ask for your support. And there are several ways you may do so. The first step is subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on iTunes, Anchor, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and many more. Did you know that testimonies are one of the biggest ways to build credibility? Well, that's why we need the following to happen, which is one of the most important things we may ask from you. If you're on iTunes, once you subscribe to the podcast, immediately before life kicks in and you forget about it, rate the podcast in two easy steps, which are only available on iTunes. First, give us a five-star rating, which gives us more visibility in the podcast rankings. And after you rate the podcast, write an inspiring comment about the podcast that will tell others why they should listen to the podcast. Second step, follow us on your favorite social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Parler, and YouTube. Third step, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Fourth step, subscribe to our email list at newnuma.com forward slash subscribe. Last but not least, notice how none of the above steps cost any money. However, if you care to give to the mission, you may send as little as 99 cents per month, up to as much as you would like to send into this ministry. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash new dash numa and scroll down to where you will find the support button. Click there and the rest will be clear. Once again, we appreciate you and your support. This is Norm from the New Numa Godcast. Peace. You are tuned in to the New Numa Godcast, hosted by Norman Brown, a.k.a. Professor and Justin Foster, where we address the taboo from a biblical view. Our podcast is all about real talk with new life. And quite frankly, you either love it or you won't because we deal with tough topics that the church rarely touches. Somebody's gotta do it, and that's why we exist. So just sit back, chill, and enjoy the ride.
is just going to be good. Peace. We can see not only in natural things, but we can discern in the spirit, which speaks to being like God. <laughs> because yeah. one of the things he clowned them, the idols on is they can't see and they can't hear. But then God <laughs> being, being in him is that we actually have ears. So he produces prophets and prophetic voices who can hear and then seers who can see and discern spirits and discern what is what. And so that is one of the things that he boasts in the fact that I produce my offspring so that they can see and hear. So I want you to. Oh, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 no. What about the false gods? These false gods produce, produce impotent followers who are unable to hear and unable to see. So that he Mm. calls them blind guys. The blind leads the blind. They, they all fall in the ditch. And, you know, I'm going to just say something that's very ironic about that statement because the gods in the earth think that we're the deaf, dumb, and blind, according to them. But they're the ones that's deaf, dumb, and blind. Right. <laughs> it's so ironic. <laughs> so, you know, for one, for those that don't know, I'm just going to share this with you real quick. The 5%ers, they say there's the 85ers the 10%, and then there's the 5 percenters. That makes 100% of the earth. So you got 85% they believe are the dumb, deaf, and blind. That's what they say about people who are Christians or any other religious belief. Well, okay, let me, let me not say it that way because I hate saying the word religious belief because being a Christian or someone that's called a Christian and – um for those that are getting to know about how I speak on things and, you know, on the podcast, you kind of getting to know how I talk and the terminologies I use and why I say them. So as part of saying this, I'm telling you for those that are called Christians, because that's what people know to call you. They don't know you by anything else. They wouldn't understand anything else. So you use that term to help them get an idea what you possibly are. We're going to say it in that term, but this is not a religion. This is a way of life. This is a kingdom that we live in and that kingdom has laws and those laws come from the Bible, which came from the, from the father of all creation. So I'll leave it at that. Now, I want to say, uh, um, while I'm, I'm about to get into something else in Second Second Peter, but while I'm looking it up, can you look up that scripture about Dagon? Because I want to, I want to. This we talking about clowning God. Let's talk about Dagon real quick. But can you look up that scripture in the part where he got knocked over and all that? <laughs> so I, I can't look. I'm not in a position where I can actually pull it up right now. But I will okay. say I remember the story where the Ark of the Covenant was captured and then it was captured I believe it was by the Philistines and it was connect and it was put in the temple where the um the idol of Dagon was there too. And did you want to build on that? Yeah, so I mean if you were to go on Google you should be able to find something um about Dagon 
that you could be able to pull up the scripture where it's coming from and everything. Um, hold on. So if you look that up on Google real quick, Dagon, the false god in the Bible and scripture, I'm going to read what Second Peter says because this is very important for our discussion. So Second Peter says, again, we started at verse 1, but now I'm going to be in verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. Notice how he reiterates. It's the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It is not the knowledge of self. Verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want to repeat verse 4 whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, what these, the great and precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now, I'm going to say it this way because sometimes I feel like people can, that's more palatable to, to people than to tell them they're gods when they just hear, oh, partakers of the divine nature. Now they think that when they hear that, now all of a sudden they can accept it. But when they hear that you are God, they reject it because they think that that all of a sudden boosted them up to something that they're not. And I would say it this way. What's the difference between if I say, you are uh, partaking of the divine nature. In other words, if I say you have partaken of being a human being, how in the world are you partaking of being a human being without being a human being? Something to think about. Yeah, it is something to think about. Another thing, to me, it moves the... um discussing because we talked about where the scripture talks about ye are God but now it says if you read that scripture one more time about what it talks about as far as being a partaker of his nature you want me to read it again yeah read it one more time because I wanted to bring out one point that you said in that is it you only want me to read that one verse or the four verses that I read uh this yeah this is the verse coming into it being partakers of his divine nature okay um it says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness 
I'm, I want to start right there real quick because it says godliness. Did it say catliness? No. Did it say lionliness? No. Did it say elephantliness? No. It says godliness. The Bible talks about us being godly. I mean, the Bible is saying it in so many ways and so many times, and yet people still are not seeing it because they want to keep thinking they're a worm. How in the world are you going to be godly if you're not a god? So, anyway, it goes on to say, uh, through the knowledge, now the way that we partake or attain to this is through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. That word glory is very key there. Glory, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. Glory here is the word doxa. It means opinion, judgment, view, estimate, whether good or bad. It's... um. Also means honor. It's, it's translated as honor, praise, and worship in the Bible. So that's something that will even take us to another thing that we're not getting into today. But, you know, the Bible does say, let another man praise you. And when it's saying that, if you don't take it out of context, it doesn't mean you praising them above God but you can praise people. I'll leave that alone. The word worship means to ascribe worth to. Worth. W-O-R-T-H. You ascribe worth to something. Worship. Now, um, going back to uh, the verse, like you said, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, the promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, you wanted to yeah. speak on something. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a few things in that. One thing we see that it seems like he moves the spectrum. Okay. In the Old Covenant, we see where he acknowledges we are God. But now he says now to partake of this divine nature because we have to understand that when he incarnated, he created a new nature of human divines. Now it's not just God, and it's now it's not just people who are made um, out of clay who have his spirit that was breathed into them. But now you have people who are made according to the pattern of Christ who operate in that nature, and God is actually saying, now, you are the ones that I'm acknowledging has partaken in my divine nature, and then it talks about promises. Now, we know there are many promises, the promises of Abraham, some of the um, promises that came through David um, as far as the Christ and even those who would be in Christ. So there are um, messianic promises the Abrahamic promises, their promises to his nation. 
But now we understand that there is also the promise of the Holy Spirit who actually seals the deal and makes us a new nature, what makes us the benefactors of the promises. And he's basically showing and connecting our knowledge of Christ. He's connecting our promises and and claiming our inheritance in Christ via the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, now, these are the ones that I'm calling now to God. So even though humanity in general, we're considered the gods, like you said, that's foundational and basic. Now he's making a distinction between those who he calls a part of his family. Um, and, and I look at that as a completed work, the work he started with Adam, the work he finished in Christ. And now he's saying, now, if you want to look at the gods in the earth, look at the believers, look at those who are in Christ, because those are the ones who um, carry the promise. The other scripture that I think about is the scripture where he said, when the spirit comes, he will to declare what I have unto you. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to declare the promises that were given to Christ, his inheritance to the saints. So we are stewards of his inheritance. So the reason why knowing thyself is, is a lesser knowledge is because you have to know what God promised Christ to know why you actually are here. Because we're mm-hmm. called to actually be stewards and extensions of his body, of his ministry, of his grace. So if we don't know what he promised Christ, we don't know what he promised us. And if we don't know, if we don't know what he promised us, we can't walk in dominion and actually function as gods, not just as humans, but function with the backing of his grace. Because being like God or being God-like is not just about being moral, even though that part is essential, but it's also about being able to govern something and know that heaven's resources are available to you to manifest what he told you to do. And I when anytime I talk to five percenters or other people, y'all say y'all God, okay, that's cool. I understand that I'm a God, but what have you manifested? I'm not just talking about the knowledge of some other person in some other book that you you can just spit out knowledge, but what have you manifested through this wisdom? And a lot of times um they can't produce anything that was actually birthed from the spirit into the flesh, which is a godlike behavior to be able to bring something from um, from eternity or from the invisible into the visible. I met a lot of five percenters when they was in jail, but they couldn't manifest themselves out of out of an imprisoned mindset and into freedom. So yeah, yeah exactly. that's that's just another part that comes along with that. So I want to ha- I want to add to that. There's something that came to my mind about how people are. Created in the Bible says we created in His image and likeness, right? But one of the main reasons why we are like God is by the words that we are able to speak. Now, God created everything by words. The only thing that He touched with His hands was man. I taught this in a class recently. I'm teaching a class on creationism versus evolutionism and um in this class which is uh for the urban act school of ministry in australia i am i taught them about genesis chapter one for um for the verse verse one through 19 
and it took us in a whole lot of directions. But the one thing that I didn't get to yet was about how God, well, this was one of the things I did touch. I said how everything that you notice God creating, it was in an impersonal way. I am personal, impersonal. There was nothing personal about it. It was impersonal. He spoke it, and then it existed. Now, here's the thing that I find to be interesting. Okay, like, for instance, I've been a witness to some degree. I I haven't been in person a witness to this, but I've seen on a video where something like this was happening, and I've heard about it through various stories that I've heard from people and I'm one day looking forward to seeing it happen in, in my life where I will see it when I lay hands on someone. But I've heard about when God does a creative miracle in people where they had a limb that was missing, and then that limb starts to regrow in that spot. It'll grow right in front of a person's eyes, and it'll start off just like a baby. Like you, you'll see like how a little foot would look on a baby. And it'll start out like that, and then it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It is doing the exact same thing that the baby does when in the womb, but now it's on a larger scale because you're seeing the the leg grow out from where it was no leg, and then you start to see the foot form, and then that foot is small, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until finally, when it's all said and done, it's the exact replica of the other leg. So the point I'm making is that when even when you see those kind of miracles that are happening, they are not some instant magical poof it appeared. And I'm bringing this out for a reason. Because when we see the story of creation, God speaks the things into existence, but they don't just magically appear and poof, all of a sudden there's everything right there in front of you. God does not perform magic. Now, when we see when Adam, I mean, not Adam, when um, Moses had to go against the magicians of Egypt, then that's when God caused certain things to happen with that rod that he had. And that rod did certain things because of the fact that these magicians were making snakes do certain things. But you also see how um, the rod uh, overpowered the snakes that they had. So that showed you that God had the power, whereas they had a power, access to it illegally. But this, exactly. He is the most high. He proved it in that moment. I am the mm-hmm. most powerful. Let me show mm-hmm. you. I'm going to eat up all of your little snakes with my one snake. Now what? So, and he produced it from a rod, which is a stick. Right. Which is telling you something about that, which, oh, my God, this is getting so rich and deep, man. I'm going to just say it like this. <laughs> um. <laughs> The way that the Lord gave me this um, years ago, I got this way back in, like, the late 90s when the Lord gave me this revelation. It might have been, if it wasn't the late, late 90s, 
it was like 2000, 2001 at the latest. But I think it was around 99 when, the God, when God gave me this revelation. But what the Lord showed me is how when Jesus performed miracles, a miracle in those instances when he was performing them was a supernatural speeding up of or a multiplication process of a natural law that already exists. Come on. And, and now the supernatural was coming on that, causing it to be sped up and multiplied before the eyes of the people. For instance, when you see a fish that's being multiplied in front of people, the fish has seed within itself to multiply. And yeah. therefore, because the seed was inside of it, all Jesus had to do was speak over that fish and speak forth the multiplication that is inside yeah. of the fish, and now it can produce more fish on the spot. That's what yeah. the miracle was. The miracle was just speeding up the natural process that's already been put in the fish and making it manifest in a way that was in an unnatural way, but therefore it was showing forth the natural that already existed. Come on. That's good, bro. That's the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest, <laughs> the God of multiplication, which speaks back to, I'm not going to tell you to do anything that I haven't first demonstrated. I'm not going to actually tell you to go and populate the, the earth with my glory if I can't show you how I populate and how I reproduce and how I speed it up, because that's one of the things, too. That speaks to the anointing a lot of times. When one, one of the things that people ask is, how can you identify the anointing? How can you identify the grace of God on something? And well, how? And you broke it down beautifully, you know, that the Lord will accelerate something. So the work that it would have taken, he's the redeemer of the time. So work, the work that it would have taken to do something, He's going to accelerate that. He's going to multiply that. He's going to take from that which is in, from the potential. And he's omnipotent, so he deals in realms of potential, but then he's going to actually expand that and increase that in a way that you cannot deny that it was God. You cannot deny that because we understand the laws that's in the earth, but you can't deny that that was, that was him moving and making that happen. So that's, that's, that's a great word, bro. That's a great word. So I do want to say while we're on that subject that when the serpent or rather when Satan approached Jesus in the wilderness at his weakest moment, and that's how Satan always comes because he's a little punk. He comes when you're the weakest. He's always trying to get into the cracks right when you just have your guard down. That's when he wants to come. Satan is a punk. That's how he does things. So he came when Jesus was at his lowest and weak in, in strength. And he says, if you are the son of God, which he heard spoken over Jesus when he was at the river, yeah. then turn these stones into bread. If you are. If you are. <laughs> now, I'm a first of all, I'm a first of all say Jesus, as well as everybody else who was at that river, heard that he's the son of God. Yeah. Everybody heard this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
he heard that. And then right after that, he went to the wilderness. Now, on this last day of the fast, when he is the hungriest that he could be, the weakest that he could be, the most vulnerable that he could be, that's when this little punk shows up. If you are the son of God, then do this. Now I'm going to surmise. I'm going to. I'm going to say, in that instance, one of the reasons why Jesus was not going to turn a stone into bread is because that would have been magic. Number one, that was not going to be uh, something that you know would be some kind of natural thing that would come out of a, a rock. That would be magic to turn a rock into bread. So this would be somebody showing off, okay, like like witches and warlocks do. They like to show off. It's all about them getting attention, about their self being glorified. So a witch or a warlock would have done that. Because they want to get the glory. They want to get the, the oohs and the eyes, and they want to get people following them. So they would try that, or they would do it if, they, if it's possible. But this was a test for Jesus, number one, because, you know, the Bible says that he was tested at all points like us, but yet without sin. I'm not going to say this is the only time this happened, but I can tell you, <laughs> that this was when he got tempted at all points for sure. It was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life right there that he got presented with. The lust of the flesh to produce something that would fulfill his fleshly desire, which was for food. So that was tested in the first thing about turning the stone into bread. He would have done that out of a lust, and it would have been pride behind that and all that. I'm going to show you who I am. Watch me. And boom. Right. You feel me? So that's what he would have done. Now, the second thing, if you be the son of God, then, you know, um, cast yourself off of this thing because uh, the Bible says... <laughs> He didn't say it the way that he didn't say the Bible says, but he might as well have said it. You know, because the Bible says if you mm-hmm. do something like this, that the angel's going to catch you. <laughs> the angel's going to bear you up in their hands unless you dash your foot against a stone. So just go right ahead and jump. <laughs> and that's when Jesus was tempted again with the pride of life. And now, um, the last one, he shows them all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms. The, 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 the test there was the lust of the eyes. Mm-hmm. Because he was able to look upon all those kingdoms and say, man, I want those. Those should belong to me. And so Satan was testing him with that. And Jesus said, you shall only worship the Lord, your God. 
<laughs> this is so funny how Jesus said that. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God. In other words, he's telling Satan, God is your God too, by the way. Remember that. <laughs> Remember that. You know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what it is. You know exactly what time it is. So there is no way I'm going to bow down and worship you. You are to only worship your God. So my point in bringing these things out is to show everybody that, um, you know, about the testing that Jesus went through, but how he passed it. These are the same types of tests that you will get as a believer. But I want to also point out the fact that him being God in the flesh did not, did not um, make him elevated in the sense of uh, now all of a sudden he's not going to experience these types of temptations. Yeah, yeah, why? Because, yeah, because he said that he said when he prayed to the Father, restore unto me the glory I had with you before the world began. So we understand that when he was in the flesh, he did not actually operate in the same glory as he did prior to in, prior to incarnation. Yes, exactly. So this is the this is the um. This is where I wanted to, uh, I did want to touch on that thing about Dagon real quick before we go. Yeah. Now, Dagon, for those that don't know, this is a false god that was among the Philistines. And um, there was a situation that occurred where these Philistines put their false god in a place where it shouldn't have been. And God did some things to kind of like, not kind of, but to let them know he ain't going for that. Now, Dagon is the fish god, if I remember correctly. That's right. Okay. So that in itself is kind of interesting to know that it's a fish god. But bottom line is um, this god was, do you want to tell the story a little bit or what? I don't remember the, the actual um, situation that caused them to take the Ark of the Covenant, but I know that they had taken the Ark of the Covenant and put it in the temple of uh, Dagon, and they had their God side by side uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And, you know, the angel went to work on them. Okay, so I'm going to read to you what it, where it's coming from. So Judges chapter 16 and I'm going to start at uh, verse 20. This is just something to give people an understanding of what Dagon is. Uh, it says, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he did not know that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God, and to rejoice. For they said, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Now, I just want to... Go to 1 Samuel chapter 5. 
verse 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face <laughs> to mm -hmm. the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. <laughs> and then verse 4 says, And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord and the head of Dagon, and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Man. Man, that's speaking to a lot of things. You want to touch on that? Man, I mean, it just, it just speaks to me off the top. I guess the most obvious one is when you try to compare something to the glory of God and you try to set something up into the glory, not only does it say no flesh will glory in my presence, but no, no image that um, is exalted as a God is going to glory in my presence. But we understand the Ark of the Covenant, and we know that that represented the presence of God. And it was the testimony of God, and it had the mercy seat and the carabine looking down into it, and the testimony of God and his story, his story, in the Ark of the Covenant. And so, like, nothing is going to mess with my testimony. I'm going to destroy it. Uh, this is my story. And, and and it's a lot in that. It's so much in that. But it speaks to how you can't com contrast or compare anything to him. He's going to destroy it. If you lift up and create an idol and set it next to him, you're doing a, a terrible thing to whatever you did, whatever you created, because he's going to destroy it, because he's going to show that he is the most high. He's going to be against it, opposed to it. Uh, that could be anything that you exalt. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to say before you went on with that, uh, the whole story of Dagon, we understand Dagon was the fish god, so that means that we were dealing with, they were dealing with marine spirits. They were yeah. dealing with spirits, spirits that were connected to the waters and trafficking and a lot of the things that were done and, and a lot of a lot of times we don't realize that culture is influenced by the spirits that are that are devoted are the, the spirits that are exalted. So they exalted the god of marine culture, the trafficking that they were doing there, the trade that they were doing there, and they were full of pride because they were prosperous. They were looked at, you know, some of them were actual giants, but they were looked at as advanced in their knowledge, advanced in their technology or whatever. But now this God is connected, is, is not connected, but is set up to be propped up against the Ark of the Covenant, and he shows who's really God. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that God when a person tries to lift himself up, and here's the thing that we got to understand. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus made a statement that 
he said, give me the glory that I had before I came here. But I, mm-hmm. I remember correctly, I believe he also said something about giving the glory to his followers as well, that they would have, that they would be in him and he would be in them and they would be one and all this stuff. I believe that was all like in the same passage, wasn't it? I believe so, where it said, I will be in them, they will be in me. And, you know, it, it was something where it was like we will all be braided together in God, in the Godhead. So the bottom line is this. He was including us in that glory. And here's the thing, like, I remember hearing uh, Bill Johnson say something about when you are experiencing the presence of God, you are with Oh, no, no, no. My fault. It was Dan Moeller that said this. He said, if you're in the presence of God, that means God is there. The presence and the reason why people in many ways say it the way they say it or think of it the way they think of it is because God being a spirit, they don't see him with their eyes. So they think of it as like a mist or something like that, his presence. But when you're thinking about it, if I come to your house, I have brought my presence with me. I am there. I'm present. So the presence of Norman is there. And now you're experiencing what my presence brings, whether that's good or bad. Mm, Hold up. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me just say this real quick um, before you go on. The glory of God is the localized presence of God because we know God is omnipresent. Yes, yes. He's everywhere. But when we talk about the glory of God, which was represented where the Ark of the Covenant was, the glory of God is his localized presence where he chooses to localize himself in the sense to where it is his tangible presence. Um, where it's not just that he sees and he can know, no, I am there, so I am in the midst. So, so keep going. I just wanted to put that in there while you were building on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think That's I might good. be about. I think I might about to drop another one on you though, because uh, the Lord was uh, showing me one time that uh, um. I'm trying to. Rem- I, I, I want to say this the way that he gave it to me, so that I don't. It was something along the lines of, "No man can know me unless I show him my face," or I can only I show my face to whom I want to reveal myself to. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing as uh, no man knows me except I let them know me. But yeah. it's also it's also the fact that man, and this is another way that the Lord gave this to me. I'm really trying to remember exactly how He said it. But in so many words, it's like. Um, Okay, like, okay, like the Bible says, um, you shall have no other gods before me. Oh, that word before me is actually before my faces. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
also where the word showbread comes from, the table of showbread, the table the of table faces. Of uh-huh. Okay. That's good. <laughs> he said, yeah. I shall prepare, he shall prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. So mm. what is the table that he prepared in the presence of your enemies? Come on. I'm going to let that one marinate. I'm not even going to go into that right now. I'm going to just let that marinate. You think about what's the table that God is preparing before you in the presence of your enemies. Wow. Now, think about that. <laughs> so that's, now, that's one that's a Selah that's a Selah right there that is a Selah moment now I'm going to say this last one this is the one this is what I was trying to get to no man knows me after the flesh mm. If I'm trying to get to know somebody, I cannot know them after the flesh. Mm, 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 mm. That's rich, bro. It's rich. Yeah. Let me just say, let me just put this out here. So when Samuel was trying to find out who the next king was because God rejected Saul, um, Samuel was looking at Jesse's sons, and he was looking, and he saw one of his sons, and he was like, this got to be the one. And Christ and the Father was like, "Nah, that's not it. Man looks at the outward; God looks at the heart." And I think that that is a, a key thing to understand because the outward is dealing with the flesh, and we usually judge and determine status and determine esteem to people who have accumulated something in the flesh. But God says, "I look at the heart because that's the place where I dwell." And if we even go back to, because you were talking about the table of showbread, which is in the inner court, because when we actually look at that we are the temples of God and that God kind of correlated that understanding even to look at the outer court, the inner court, the holy place, we have to see that the Lord is always looking at that which is beyond the veil. It's inside the veil. You can't see it from the outside. If you're looking at the temple from the outside, the only thing that you're going to see is the outer court. But you have to go inside the inner court, beyond the veil, to actually really see what's going on. You have the table of showbread. You have the um, the goat, the lampstands. You have the altar of incense. And all of that stuff speaks to our true nature because the incense deals with the worship, our sincere worship. The showbread deals with our communion, our fellowship with him. You know, the you have the lampstands that actually deal with us being illuminated with knowledge of Christ, as we talked about earlier, the knowledge of Christ. And so it's a mystery, but it's something that he's actually openly giving us and, and giving us access to. But you can't see it unless you come in. And I guess this statement is for the people who are trying to understand God but have not submitted to being in Christ. You'll never understand God without being in Christ. That's where the mysteries are. That's why when you're hearing us talk right now, a part of you is like, I know they're talking some deep stuff, but another part of you is confused. You don't understand. That's because you need his spirit 
in you in order to make plain the truth of his word. So it's a mystery to you, but it's open revelation for us. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word, man. So we're going to uh, close out this discussion, but um, this was very rich. You will have to go back over and listen to it over and over because it's a lot of not knowledge and nuggets that was dropped. This mad revelation here. Super, super duper amounts of revelation. Uh, so I'm going to say in ending all of this in, in just a way to kind of like wrap it all up that Peter, I mean, not Peter, Paul said this, and I, I want to read this from the scripture so that we can see that, um, <clears throat> how, and let me just, uh, And uh, it is coming from Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Now, I'll read a couple verses before that, but it says in verse, verse 7, I'll say, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to keep on emphasizing these verses when it comes to that part. Who, what knowledge are we after? We're not after knowledge itself. We're after knowledge of Jesus, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do not count them but crap that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the yeah. fellowship of his sufferings, yeah. being made conformable unto his death. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I just got to tell you, man, the more I was reading that, man, I was about to cry. I, I actually yeah. was on the brink of tears, man, just saying this, because this is very powerful. This is not – we are not to to try to go to a high level of knowledge of self. If anything, whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you're supposed to be doing, you get that knowledge through knowing who he is. And when you are going after knowing him, he would tell you who you are. That's the difference. That's the difference. These guys talking about knowledge itself, they don't care who Jesus is. They don't care what Jesus did. They don't care that Jesus is the one who created them. By him, mm. all things were created. Seen and By unseen, him. invisible and invisible, principalities and powers. <laughs> yes. Everything. For yes. his pleasure. For his pleasure. Hmm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. 
<laughs> yeah, man. If we, would ever, if we would ever be engulfed in his pleasure, if we would ever be, um, if we would ever really understand that all these things are by him and for him, but not only that, he put us in him. So our actual nature, the things that would make us the most happy, the most fulfilled, the most um, just anything that you could say about excited about being alive. A lot of people don't realize that you discounted Christ and he's the only one that can fulfill your desires and that can actually complete your purpose and give you for fulfillment in your life is only in Christ. If you don't, if you don't accept Christ, you are actually uh, rejecting not only your own nature, but you're you're rejecting your own purpose. You're rejecting your own happiness, your own joy. And even though you might feel like you're good, you're really miserable and don't know it. It's only in Christ. Yeah. So that's where we'll end this discussion. This is. Man, this is such a deep discussion, man. And, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I definitely want people to walk away from hearing this podcast series, um, knowing that it's all about Jesus. Every single bit of it is all about Jesus, knowing him. It's not about you knowing yourself. It's about knowing him. When you know him, that's the place where you find fulfillment. Mm. And, you know, the thing about it is, um, (laughs) I mean, in essence, to know him is to know where you originated. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I mean, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter one, before I formed you in the belly, that's a very key statement. Before I formed you mm. in the belly, I'm going to say it like this. God is still making man within the womb. Come on. I'm, I'm, every time I, I have every to stop time. there right now. Go ahead, go ahead. Say what you're saying. I'm just saying every time, every time, not just one time. Every time somebody is being formed, God is the one doing the forming in the womb. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's still. Creating. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm over here trying to hold back tears, bro. I'm serious. I, I'm about to bust out and cry because I just, the the revelation that God has given us while we're having this conversation, I haven't even, there's some things, by the way, you all, there's some things that God has just been revealing in this conversation that I've never thought about. I've never even seen it this way. But, um, I'm I'm very grateful because this is the kind of thing that God does where you have a revelatory conversation and people that receive revelation who speak and teach out of revelation. And um, I just want to say that I specifically want to say this to those that are out here trying to figure out who you are, 
trying to understand what God wants you to do, who he wants you to become, what he wants you to accomplish. It all starts with knowing who Jesus is. It all starts with him. Because if you don't know him, you would never know yourself. Real. That is so real. And, um, you know, I, I didn't say this part earlier, but I did bring out the first part of it when I said everything God created up until man was impersonal. Mm. All he did was speak it, and it came into existence. But when it came to man, it was like God was telling his dream, and he said, man, let us make man and let them be in our image and in our likeness and let them do this and that and that. It was a vision that he was casting out there. He was like, it was almost like a what if. What if we had man and we created them like us and they would do this and that and blah, blah, blah. It was like that's what God was doing. He was having a dream. He was talking about a dream that he had. Hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> so are you saying that are you saying that mankind uh this the manifestation of mankind is the fulfillment of his dream? Or yeah. uh Yes. Mm. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <clears throat> you Ooh. know the Lord showed me something some time ago. Uh, it was probably a couple of years ago where the Lord showed me, he said, man is the essence, the, the, or the essence of man is the breath of God. Mm. That's good. The essence of man is the breath of God. The breath of God. We are the breath of God. The word inhale and then exhale that is also when you hear inspiration and expiration. Yeah. Okay. That word enthusiasm. <laughs> These kind of words are speaking to something that only God can give. When you're enthused, if I remember correctly, it's basically like saying you're infused with the spirit. Mm. And 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 now you're able to, you know, you're breathing in and breathing out is like a normal thing that we don't have control over. You do not control whether you breathe or not. All you can do is just exist and hope that that breathing will happen. But the way I look at it, based on what the Bible says about man is that when God stops breathing into you, that's when you die. That's when you die. Mm. We are stewards of his breath. Mm. Mm. Listen, man, <laughs> this is so strong because because he gave us bodies. But like you said, we're not robots. But he gave us bodies and he called them temples that mm. would actually house his spirit, that his spirit would dwell in. And he just mm. called us to be faithful stewards of his life. Mm. I'm going to exchange my life for yours. I'm going to give you my life, and I'm going to take yours. 
I'm going to come back with yours when I come. But I'm giving you my life to be a steward of my life and to be a steward of my breath. That is so much responsibility. <laughs> mm. But at the same time, it's such a privilege. It's a privilege and honor. So for someone who rejects that privilege and rejects that honor, but yet you want to blame God for saying, no, depart from me. I never knew you. To say, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you off. That's mm. rightful. You know, I gave you my own life to steward over, and you rejected it. So now why would you want eternal life? Mm. which is more of me. So, yeah, man, that's that's rich right there. That's good. And I'm going to end it with this, that uh, the only difference between eternity and time is one breath. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, that's good. So um, we, 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 we really got into some deep things on this conversation. And uh, I, I pray our prayer because I know he wants the same thing. Terrence and I, we pray that you have gotten so much out of this teaching, this teaching series, because there was some rich stuff in here. I hope you heard the whole thing because you needed to hear the whole thing for it to really impact you like that. So I hope that you listen to the whole thing. Make sure if you have not listened to every every uh, series episode, go back to the first and go from beginning to end. You cannot just pick up in the middle or at the end. You need to go to the beginning. So this is a very important series to know and understand. And uh, so thank you for listening to the podcast as usual. Make sure you subscribe. If you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe on your, your podcast platform that you listen on. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those. Um, and, and, and support. If you, if you want to see more things done by this, by this podcast, then, you know, we have a financial way that you can support us as well. You could go on anchor.fm forward slash new dash numa. And there's a way you can support us there. And um, as little as 99 cents a month. What is that? Nothing. Um, So thank you again for being on here. Um, Terrence, man, it was great. Um, You got any last words you want to say? No, my brother, it's always good building with you, man. I, I just pray that our fellowship will be multiplied like we talked about the bread multiplying, that it would be multiplied among other saints and believers and even those who are not believers yet who are being drawn to the truth. I, I just pray that, you know, these conversations would bless you and that you would go in and start looking into some of these things and seeing what we're saying is true. And you know, The Lord is good. And I, I think that if you actually listen and you really want to learn, then it's going to send you on a journey that you're going to, you're, you're not going to be able to say anything else, but what they're saying is true. God is real. And so I'm excited for you because I believe he's actually bringing other people into the fold just by listening to our conversation. No doubt. So once again, thank you for listening to the new Numa Godcast. We appreciate it. Peace. What's up family. This is Norman. Thanks for listening to new Numa. 
We appreciate you, and that includes your feedback. What do you like most about the podcast? What are your favorite subjects? What types of guests would you like to hear more? Shoot us an email today at new.numa.podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Peace.